watching all movies with Rebecca and Jason. Are you gonna love them or hate them? Here comes the binge. Hey everybody, welcome to the Binge Movie Podcast, in which a couple of homos review the latest movie theater releases. I am Jason Leroy. And I'm Rebecca Olarte, and today we have three movies. Only the Brave, Tom of Finland, and Dina. And as always, we're going to rate these movies on a three-tiered scale, with Binge It being our highest rating, Consume in moderation means it's okay, but it's kind of meh. And send it back means... Life is too short for that mess. Is that the uh, jazz remix? You know, honestly, every week I just improv it. Oh, wow. You don't think of those ahead of time? I try not to have an idea. I just try to do this thing where I let my mind go blank and just like see what comes into it. Why is there all this sheet music on the floor? I learned it from Kelly Bundy on Married with Children back Mm. in that episode where she knew how to like always guess the right cards when they were in Vegas. Ah. She's like, I just let my mind go blank. And Bud's like, let it. How can you stop it? Mm. Good burn, Classic. Bud. Classic Bud. Classic Bud. Good burn, um, Bud. I thought you were going to say, I learned it from Kelly Rowland. Mm, mm-hmm. No, but did you hear what Michelle Williams said? Which one? The Destiny's Child Michelle Williams. No, what? She said that she was suicidal while she was in the group. Aw. I know. That's terrible. That's really I mean, terrible. I mean, like, we've all been making fun of Michelle all this time, and she heard us, is, I, is what I'm getting from that. So stop making fun of people. <laughs> Let's not get crazy. <laughs> so extreme measures. Yeah, I think you've you've here. jumped to the furthest extent of what we could possibly do. <laughs> um, but you know, it's thought, good that she's opening and, up. Yes, thoughts and prayers to Michelle Williams. Of course, always, as I always do. <laughs> it's part of my nightly ritual. <laughs> you Thank you, your, Lord. You light your Michelle candle, please, and then you quietly recite "Jumpin' Jumpin'." <laughs> And we, have, we all pray in our own way. Right, exactly. We all accept. Exactly. And then you sing her, Lord and then you sing her verse from Survivor, and then you go to sleep. That's it. Um, puts me right out. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What's, uh, besides besides uh, reading People magazine, what's up with you? That was on the internet, thank you. Oh, sure. People.com. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, let's see. So it is, uh, it's a good time of year to be in the San Francisco Film Critics Circle, which I happen to be because it is meet and greet season, guys. It is that time of the year where we get to um, have celebrities placed in front of us who would like us to consider them for our year-end awards, and we just get to say dumb things into their faces. And um, and right now, we have just wrapped up the Mill Valley Film Festival mm-hmm. here in the Bay Area, which is kind of, our, the, kind of the, in, so, in some ways, the biggest mm-hmm. film festival yeah. that happens in the Bay Area throughout the year, because there's the SF Film Festival, there's Frameline. But the thing about Mill Valley is that it happens after all the major fall mm-hmm. festivals have occurred. And so it's sort of like the first time all the actual major Oscar contenders are seen in the Bay Area. Yeah. Um, but I, of course, have already seen all these movies at TIFF. So. And it's in quaint Mill Valley. Who quaint, doesn't love that? Yes. Quaint. Not at all hard to get to Mill Valley. <laughs> not at all diverse. It, it is hard to get to, guys. And it is not diverse. Um, but... So we had had a meet and greet with Holly Hunter uh, mm. a few weeks back, which was uh, a dream come true. I Just, imagine. Did she circle you? She, like she did Ray Romano? You know, Ingu asked her about that. Oh, really? Yeah, Ingu asked her about that. Um, Ingu was like weirdly... Friend of the show. Ingu was like talking Ingu. shit about Holly Hunter to Holly Hunter. How did that go over? Ingu. Also, way to be way to be you. Way to bring your <laughs> authentic always, self to everything. She's always on brand. Everything. She, she was, needs to be here. We can't keep talking about I know, her I to know. people who don't know her. Um, all you need to but know. But you can find her on the internet. Yeah, all you guys need to know she's is a writer. that she is a hater. Uh, she's a writer she's and a, a hater. She's a world class um, hater, and uh, and she kept like she kept talking to Holly Hunter about her height, 
which is the last thing Holly Hunter wants to talk about. Oh, are they the same height? And um, oh yeah, that's the thing I was thinking. I was like, you know, towering over both of them. Right. Um, and Angu's like, you know, do you find that your height has been limiting? And Holly's like, well, I don't, I don't really. My height's not really a factor for me in the way that I think about my career and my acting and my roles. So, and I could, I could see in Holly's eyes, looking at Angu, basically on the same level, thinking like, bitch, <laughs> you know, right. you are just as tall as I am. Well, you know, when uh, you're writing. You don't right, have you, to be of a you, certain size. That's true. It's actually it's efficient to be compact. Mm-hmm, right, because, you know, maybe then uh, you, know, you can just curl up into smaller spaces and write. Mm-hmm, and right. you're not going to make as much money because you're a writer, so you don't have to pay for You don't need a two-bedroom apartment no, or a one-bedroom apartment. Just a little corner, just a little makeshift under the stairs type situation. I mean, podcasting is where the money is. Yes. Um, but then, uh, and then Ingu kept down this line of questioning. And then a bit later, one of the other guys in the circle, Bernard Boo, had his baby with him, Rocky, who he's been bringing to all the meet and greets as well as interviews. So he just has like, he like we, me and some other guys in the circle are talking about just renting a baby now to like mm. win over celebrities with. Does the baby talk and cry during the interviews? Um, I think that they that he just like gives it to the publicist and the publicist like takes it outside and plays with it during the interview and then wow. Bernard brings it back in and is like pictures. Interesting. Uh, he's, he's he's got the right idea. Uh, but uh, so so Bernard brought his baby over to Holly Hunter and she was cooing and fussing and then Ingu emboldened by wine um staggered over <laughs> i think they stabbed the baby <laughs> and ingu punched the baby out of bernard's arms and she's like oops um ingu staggered over and was like look holly someone smaller than you wow wow she was like she was like full-on nagging her that's uh, amazing did they hook up or what <laughs> does it work well we did like it did work in a way because then like after um at the end of the whole hour um, we all took our group shot with Holly and then that's normally when the town leaves. But then Ingu turned to her and actually started saying like a normal thing that you would say to meet and greet, like a fairly serious, like, thank you. a serious remark about like the big sick and how mm-hmm. the way it represented the relationships between Asian Americans and immigrant parents. And, um, and then, uh, and then Holly just sort of like, I was start. I was talking and then this, uh, another member of the circle, Zaki, uh, Hassan started to talk to Holly. And then she just like looked at the three of us and she's like, you know, let, let, Let's just go sit down. Let's 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 let's. Can we sit down? Let's sit down. Your your impression is really thank you on point. I thought the Lena Dunham impression from last week was good, but this is you know. And with Lena, I didn't really quite go high enough sometimes. <laughs> but uh, but you know. So yeah. So she like sat us all down, and she's like, "What do we? What do we do? What do we?" What, what do we do with the world? Where, where, where do we go? Oh, she got the think tank together yeah, to figure got, out the world. She got the, the think tank, yes. Between the three of us, we were going to figure it out. Um, and um, so she got to this rogues gallery. Uh, <laughs> and Ingu's like, ha ah, ha, you're so small. <laughs> wow. Um, just the meeting of the minds. But, but, uh, but yeah. No, so then, you, did you fix it? You guys fix it? You know, well, it was just like, I think she genuinely just wanted to hear like, our thoughts, you know, and she's, and she's like, like a lot of people is feeling a lot of anxiety. Sure. And uh, so she's so small. Exactly. Um, and, uh, you know, so and I got to tell her that Home for the Holidays is one of my favorite movies. <laughs> and I got to tell her that I saw the piano at 11, which was too early to see it. <laughs> Way too early. Yes. Uh, so, uh, you know, and, 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 and she was just a dream, a dream, a dream. Um, and then this past weekend, I met Andrew Garfield. Mm. And, uh, you know, which I was less enthused about. Sure, of course. Because um, I was like, yeah, sure. I'll just, you know, I'll come. I mean, if we talk, we talk. You know, no big deal. But, you know, what then I did. Then you cornered him. What I, yes. Uh, what I did know was that he was a Drag Race fan, RuPaul's Drag Race mm-hmm. fan. And I was like, okay, well, I have, like, relevant things about that I can say to him. Because. They're relevant, you mean. I can just, a million. I, yeah. I, 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 will, I will force him to hear me out on a number of subjects. 
And he, uh, you know, he famously got into a bit of an internet kerfuffle um, not too long ago mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. he said that he felt like culturally he was a gay man because he was doing Angels in America and the mm-hmm. West End and he was just watching Drag Race all the time. And uh, and he was like, you know, felt like he could just say, you know, I, yeah, I feel like I'm basically a gay man at this point without the act. And then gay Twitter decided that he couldn't say that. And to that I say, fuck off gay Twitter. You don't speak for me. I, mm. I, I can't always fuck with these self-appointed gatekeepers of identity. Like, mm. I'm like, I think, yeah, yeah, he can fucking say that. Calm the fuck down. Like, clearly he is taking part in art that, like, lifts up and edifies and has, like, historically impacted our community in major ways by doing, like, Angels in America. Mm-hmm. Like, he is expressing that he is, like, a fucking ally. He's doing it publicly on the record as, like, a heartthrob actor. Like, it's just the, yeah, go fuck yourselves, everyone. So you're pulling the anti-Ingu to see if that works with Andrew Garfield. <laughs> yes, so I went up to him and I was like, you can be as gay as you want to be. Meet me in the bathroom Let's attend. go somewhere. So yeah. Tom of Finland. Exactly. Uh, but yeah, so we got to talking about Drag Race. And at first when I was like, I was like, all I want to do is talk to you about Drag Race. And there was like a hint of hesitation where he was like, oh God, is this gay guy going to like corner me and be like, who do you think you are to say you're... But, um, but no, then I just started talking about Peaches Christ and like upcoming Peaches Christ shows. And he is very into the idea of coming to the next Peaches Christ show, which mm. is Romy Michelle's High School Reunion, starring Trixie Mattel and Katya Zamalatikova. Mm. Uh, he was he was at the Castro Theater recently, right? He was there last December for, for Silence. Silence, yeah. Yes, he was. And that's what I was telling him. I was like, yeah, you were there for, for Silence for a Q&A, I don't know if you remember, and he was like, he was like, I do, you know, he's like, so, so same basic thing then, uh, <laughs> same basic show, same With atmosphere, the, same, yeah. That's cute. Yeah. Without uh, all the uh, good fellows hanging yeah. out outside that were uh, stalking Scorsese around right. San Francisco. Right, exactly. Uh, that was a weird movie. Yeah, Silence. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that, that sure was. So uh, beautiful. I, I don't know that anyone was rushing to talk to him about Silence. No. <laughs> um, but we did we did joke about what a drag tribute to Silence would look like. Oh wow. Um, so, but anyway, so yeah, that's been that's been fun. Um, there's one coming up with Gary Oldman, but I'm not going to be here for it. Mm. Um, which I'm actually okay with because <laughs> I I interviewed Gary Oldman once. It didn't go great. Oh. Uh, How did you know who he was? I feel like you'd walk in the room and be like, "Which one of these things is Gary Oldman?" <laughs> or like try to sit down on the couch. It's like, "No, that was Gary Oldman." So chameleonic. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, like, I think it helped that, you know, he, he when he walked in, the public was like, here's Gary. He's oh, like, oh, yeah. Uh-huh. See, hi. they learn. And that's a professional right there. And I made the mistake of starting off our interview by, you know, it was a round table. I didn't know I was going to be asked to go first. And I only had, like, so many questions ready to go. And so I just started with the question I wanted to ask the most, which is poor form, because we what you need to start with is something, like, about the project that they're there to promote. Mm-hmm. I did not do that. Um, so I was like, so, you know, like this year is the 25th anniversary of Sid and Nancy, uh, you know, which, which kickstarted your career. And, uh, so, you know, here we are all these years later, you have this major film you're promoting. And so I'm just wondering what your recollections are of making that film and what, you know, you're looking back what it meant to you in your career. And he just like sunk down, like looked over his shoulder, literally stuck his tongue out. and was like and then he was like he's like you know he's like it's it's you know to to have this film like tinker taylor soldier spy oh right yeah Mm -hmm. which you know he's like you know which i'm so proud of and then to be out here talking to you all and then to have someone talk to me about sid and nancy oh wow yeah he's like nice yeah he's like i don't he's like do people still watch that and like yeah, dude. People still watch Sid and Nancy. Mm, yeah, that's actually. Yeah. Um, and uh, he's like, oh, 
And the thing about Gary Oldman is that, like, when he got sober, he got, like, super conservative. Mm. And so he, like, spoke about that and his other breakout film, which was Prick Up Your Ears. He was like, you know, he was like, it just happened that way. You know, he's like, I made this film about this junky musician and a film about a homosexual playwright. And those were the films that I made when I started my career. And that's just the way it happened. Mm. Uh, and, uh, yeah. And not I, cool. No. So I'm not super old man. jazzed on hanging with old Geo again. Hm. Uh, so, uh, yeah. So they can they can have that one. But hopefully there'll be more because they're still generally really fun. Nice. Yeah. Maybe hopefully uh, Inga will give them the business. Yeah. <laughs> sicker, sicker on them. I will. I will. Uh, Rebecca, what's up with you? Oh, wow. Nothing like that. <laughs> um, you know, not too much. I was able to watch some of the movies this week, which is uh, yes. always nice. Um, what else is up with me? I went to a couple of dance parties. Um, I got a new phone, which is one of those things that... Um, <laughs> I know this is riveting, uh, movie related, movie related content. She was but, setting um, it up right before we started the tape, guys. I mean, it, it's one. Of, you know, I work in in tech, and you think that these things are so easy, and they really have come a long way in terms of making a uh, transition. But I'm, I'm switching from one operating system to the next, and um, man, was I flustered. To be fair, it's an Android phone. She's having a hard time setting up an no, Android I'm, it's phone. No, that's not the issue. The issue is. Um, uh, Apple refuses to release its uh, killer grasp on me. Um, it won't let me go. It's bleeding me to the Sorry. end. We care too much. Mm, eh, a little too clingy. A little too thirsty. <laughs> just back off. You know, let a player play for a second. Um, well, but so yeah, it's just it's you know, and then for one moment, you know, things aren't synced up, and I'm just like, that's the moment where I need to like tell everybody where I'm at, and I have things waiting, and it's yeah. um, super inconvenient. It's truly one of the most anxiety-inducing feelings in the world when you're like in between cell phones, and the new one is like not just automatically a hundred percent. No, and the thing, you know, the thing is, like, there's an option to just be like, tur- switch this over and like port everything basically in a very easy way. But um, you know, I was going for a. Uh, uh, a new lease on my phone, a new space, and you know, mm. I want to be cluttered, do a little time well spent. I don't want to be tied to my phone. I want to have minimal apps. I want to be really thoughtful about what's on my phone, um, which is a nightmare. Now I have to like read, download, think about it, download, sign in. Uh, I This morning insane. I was committed. I was like, I'm going to just, I mean, this is a really great time for me to like redo all my passwords. Nope. What a, what a, no, it sure is not. A horrible thought. It's a terrible time. Oh. Terrible time for that. No such thing as a good time to do that. Um, but yeah, so I'm going to uh, uh, finish doing that. Uh, hopefully, won't interrupt the show at all. Uh, I'm going to see uh, Fred Armisen tonight. Yeah, doing a comedy show called Drummers, and it's a taping. Yes, mm, yeah, it's a Netflix taping. So you know, it's so, movie related. So guys, look for Rebecca in the audience whenever yeah. Fred Armisen's next special comes. Listen to Netflix. for my obnoxious laugh. <laughs> it is. It is. It is like a. T- Tinkling bell. <laughs> it's uh, like a, it's like an inappropriate gong. And guys, I did want to speak to the issue of why uh, you aren't hearing both of us review all the movies all the time. It's because Rebecca is late. No, uh, <laughs> it is because of changes in how our films are screened. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they have gradually been moving. Um, it's kind of like double fucked because. They're either moving all the movie screenings to either daytime afternoon screenings, like mm-hmm. during the work week, or they're having them on evenings, but only allowing one person to attend 
because all the movie theaters around town are being redesigned to turn into more of like your sort of living room type mm-hmm. theater with like recliners and there are fewer seats. Because the and, seats are so plush. And yes, and they want they aren't able to give as many seats up for press. Mm-hmm. And so, they won't let me sit on your lap. No, try as we've asked. Um, and, you know, and like, and we're both, we're both getting skinnier and, you know, we, we just try to wedge ourselves in. We did get offered, um, like, seats from the cafe ones that they, they put into the aisle for us to see a movie, which is hilarious. That was great. That was, that was luxury. Uh, so, yeah. So, guys, it is, uh, it is really, we are, we try as hard as we can to both see the movies uh, whenever we boot, whenever we do both get to talk about them, that's usually because we either get an online screener mm-hmm. or something like that. Uh, so yeah, so if you're wondering why that happens, that is why that happens. I think we could do a better job of saying, um, what would Jason think of this, <laughs> or what would we, I know? You, we, we talked about that last week with the Meyerowitz stories. Mm. Um, oh yeah, I like Rebecca would hate this. Yeah. I like yeah. that. Yeah, you can feel free. I mean, you can start incorporating that into movies where you don't get a chance to see them. You'd be like, now what would I think of this? <laughs> and I can I do. do. I can I do. do. I can do my review and Rebecca's review. <laughs> um, let's start with the first movie, which is one that you uh, saw, and I, I can't wait to see what I think of it. Uh, which is only the brave through hope, determination, sacrifice, and the drive to protect families and communities. The Granite Mountain Hotshots become one of the most elite firefighting teams in the country. While most people run from danger. They run toward it, watching our lives, homes, and everything people hold dear, forging a unique brotherhood that comes into focus with one fateful fire in Yarnell, Arizona. I want you all to breathe in this beautiful vista, because you're never going to be able to look out into the wilds and see that pure beauty again. This ain't the greatest job in the world. I don't know what is. What is that? Fires threatening homes and people's lives. I want Granite Mountain. There it is. Your hot shots. I just had a daughter, and I just really want to give her what I never had. The fire gets past our line, it goes to our town. Burn over seconds away. It's gonna feel like the end of the world. As long as you can breathe, you can survive. So I guess, first and foremost, I didn't think of this um, earlier, but um, sort of a trigger warning here. Um, Yeah, Northern California trigger warning. Southern California. Southern California as well. California, trigger Mm -hmm. warning. This is the last movie. That anyone in California wants to pay to go see mm-hmm. right now uh, is only the brave because it's fire season. As we talked about last week, it continues to be fires everywhere. Right when I think it's done, I'll go outside another morning and the whole city will smell like smoke again. Uh, that just happened like two days ago, I think. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, yeah, this... there's another fire in the Santa Cruz Mountains mm-hmm. and one uh, sort of near Mill Valley, I think, um, over in Sausalito. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, this is one of the a big fire season. Um, yeah. And this is about this is based on a true story. Yes, it is. Um, I remember GQ did a really big story about this group of um, I believe this, this is based on that article. Oh, is it? Mm-hmm. I think it won some sort of journalist award, journalistic award. Yeah. Um, it, it, it what a unique career. Yes, you know, it, it is really interesting because I thought, you know, going into this movie, I was like, okay, like th- this, this, it, you know, so the title of the movie, Only the Brave, 
might as well just be like an American flag emoji. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, it feels very sort of coded culturally mm-hmm. um, with, you know, it has like Dirks Bentley did a, uh, an original song for it. And, and it came, sissies it, need not apply. And it came out today um, that the film um, that the or the distributor had hired the like the digital um, strategist behind the Trump campaign Whoa. to try to court like red state um, red staters to go out and see it. Um, and, but the, the thing about this movie though, is that like, it really is, it's pretty apolitical. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what the guys do, what these guys do, it's not, there's nothing political about it. Like it's something mm-hmm. that, you know, they are literally just going out trying to just reduce the extent of a naturally occurring destructive force mm-hmm. as much as they can. So it's really just about trying to preserve wildlife, preserve forests, preserve communities that are near forests. Right. Like it is, it is like there's, it's not like, you know, the military, it's not police. It's not something where it's become very politicized or it's always been politicized. Mm-hmm. Like this is like, this is, it is kind of easy to like root for these guys and be like, yeah, what you of guys, course. what you guys do is fucking amazing. It's not even like Deepwater Horizon, um, Peter Berg's um, oil spill mm-hmm. or, you know, oil rig disaster movie. Because that had, like, the evil oil company guys. Right. Like, there's no villain in this. Although, in the same way that uh, Deepwater Horizon refused to acknowledge the sort of contribution of oil factories to, like, environmental destruction, uh, this movie doesn't, you know, there's no one who says, like, hey, you know, climate change. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, but I've also, you know, I, you know, experts around wildfires say that like it's it's really not as simple as it's not as reductive it's, it's reductive to say like oh wildfires happen because global warming mm-hmm. um that's not even the whole story so uh so yeah this was you know going into this movie i really wasn't sure you know how much you know it, it feels like the kind of movie that you're gonna have a lot of like patriotic you know chest bumping going on mm-hmm. in it and you really don't get that like you know like these guys are just they are, you know, what they do is, is heroic. It's incredibly heroic. And Absolutely. they put themselves very much in harm's way. And I mean, there was no there was no greater heroic movie before this one, like Backdraft. Exactly. You know, we need a Backdraft for a new generation. Mm-hmm. And I did not know um, the true story of this. And mm. I, I didn't read that article. I didn't know how. So you're not a lifelong subscriber to GQ like myself? <laughs> if you look at not Rebecca kidding. and I side by side, you'll be able to guess which one of us is a lifelong <laughs> subscriber to GQ. Let me tell you. Uh, so I did not know how it ended. And mm-hmm. if you don't know how this ends, I would almost say, like, don't look it up. Uh, but it 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 will fucking level you. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. it, it's so, like, because it spends the whole movie. What a nightmare. Yeah, it spends, you know, the whole movie, it feels very much, you know, so I mentioned Peter Berg. And, you know, the movie has, it has a, a, a feeling reminiscent of um, Peter Berg's vibe that he's brought to his Mark Wahlberg collaborations, like mm-hmm. Lone Survivor and Deepwater Horizon. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was nervous about that because, you know, Peter Berg has kind of gone off the deep end a little bit with these sort of like populist, mm-hmm. um, let's celebrate the American hero type stories he keeps doing. Um, the best thing that Peter Berg ever did was Friday Night Lights. Oh, right. And this feels a lot closer to Friday Night Lights with its sort of like loose, naturalistic depictions of these working class folks, uh, you know, in their sort of just, you know, these very believable interactions. Mm. Uh, it's This is a beautifully, perfectly cast movie. Everyone is terrific and perfect for the role they've been um, cast in. Uh, and we have Josh Brolin. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have Miles Teller. 
uh, who is is probably is one of the least punchable performances he's ever given. <laughs> um, Jennifer Connelly. Jennifer Connelly oh. gives probably her best performance in *A Beautiful Mind*. Uh, hmm. This is it's it's a really um, yeah outstanding performance from her. We have Jeff Bridges. Uh, you know, so everyone's everyone's terrific from top to bottom, and uh, and you know it really it, it it does a lot of interesting shading of these of these of these human beings and 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 you know what their motivations were, what brought them into it, mm. what their dynamics were with one another. Uh, you know, so that that made it even. Oh, Taylor Kitsch, Taylor oh, Kitsch right. is in it. Another Finite Lights, uh, uh, yeah, comparison and. The character even has a very like Riggins at thirty feel to him, so it really hmm. does uh, take you back to that Peterberg feel, but in the good old days, uh, not present day Peterberg. Jennifer Connelly plays a horse doctor. That's called a veterinarian. And Doctor Horse, and she uh, there's a tender scene where she tends to a a horse that had been tortured by tweakers. Oh, God. Yes. Oof. Yes. So um, that's one of the things that if Rebecca were viewing this, she would say how much she cried in the scene Here's where, the thing. where Jennifer Connelly gently administers t- loving care to this um, scarred horse. I'm a little cold towards horses. <laughs> I can't explain it. I don't know where it comes from. I think it's the eye placement. The eye placement? But I'm a little... They can't look me in the eye. I'm a little cold towards horses. So you need eye contact from your animals if you're I mean, we can go down. We can figure out exactly what what I need. But I I know I I hold uh, horses at an arm's length. Well, because they're kickers, really. Well, yeah, yeah. for my own safety. Yeah, yeah. Um, Well, it's a really tender, touching scene. Uh, But yeah, you know, like, there's really no villain in this movie. There's no call for it. Yeah, the villain is this naturally occurring thing, fire. Um, although another thing that gets dragged several times in this movie are the planes that drop water. Oh, really? Yes, they get dragged uh, because not finally someone yeah. <laughs> not once but twice does some like dope in a water plane like mm. dump water on the wrong thing mm-hmm. because part of what these guys yeah, do there's a lot of strategy involved. There's a ridiculous amount of strategy involved in yeah. how they do this. Part of what these guys do as wildland um, firefighters is they tr- they have to like cut off a fire by basically setting another fire mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and sort of like and and drawing a line. And and then you know and then just lighting that line on fire and then that and then the fire kind of stops when it gets to that line, mm-hmm. which is what I why I do that here every time right, we start exactly the show. Every time I need to set up uh, a protective line of fire. Yes, and that's why I always rip out the battery from the smoke detector every single time you get here. <laughs> uh, but uh, but yeah, so you know to stop the flamer is what you're trying to do. Just contain it, <laughs> contain the flame. And uh, yeah, so and there's a, a very pivotal moment uh, late in the film where a water plane dumps on mm-hmm. uh, a line that was meant to contain a fire. So, so at last, water planes get the skewering they've long deserved, <laughs> and only the brave. Uh, it does have, if I'm looking at it through Rebecca lens, Ooh. it has a few things going against it that I feel like you would have been like, I'm not going to get past this. We're talking about God, celebrating God and family a little too much. Well, no, it doesn't really do that so much, but, um, you know, so it has, the things working against it are the generic title, the fact that it's all about fires (laughs) and dying in fires. Um, 
it it falls a bit into sort of the military movie trap where movies about male camaraderie mm. only know how to humanize their characters by showing them talk about like which chicks they want to bang. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like for instance, Taylor Kitsch's character is like a full on womanizer, and you know he has all these pictures of girls and lingerie on his phone. <laughs> he keeps showing to people. And uh, so it's like, okay, movie. And especially, you know, <laughs> it really couldn't be coming out at a worse time, both for fires and also right. like ob- objectifying right. women and create and contributing to a rape culture. Uh, and, you know, and then speaking of which, uh, Miles Teller's character is this sort of like piece of shit dude who is humanized and redeemed when he, drumroll, has a daughter. And uh, he's like, now that I have a daughter, I want to be better. Which, I mean, you know, not to make light of becoming a parent and all of that, but like as a trope right now. No, I think the- it's time we make light of becoming a parent. <laughs> Rebecca is withdrawing all support from parents. Uh, we are dragging parents. We are dragging water planes. That is not what I thought Planned Parenthood meant. <laughs> um, but uh, but, no, yeah, but yeah, so so in you know, and it's in it this and it's a true story, and this is you know, this is one of the things that helped this guy come out of addiction and and get clean and join the you know the hot shots, which is literally if you think that's a nickname, it's not. It's literally it's what these. Name. It's insane to me that yeah, that's actually what they're called. Um, but yeah, so the whole like, oh, I'm a, I'm a crap dude and took having a daughter to make me realize that people matter, uh, <laughs> you know, it's like, well, you know, I guess that that's what it takes, but it shouldn't. Uh, so yeah, so it has those things going against, uh, Good job. Good Rebecca it. lens. Yeah. So that was my. Take your Re- Re- Rebecca glasses off now. <laughs> Woof. You're like, Miles Teller looked so fine. His ass something. I, that's, that's, that's your attempt at a Jason lens. Yeah. You're like, his ass something. <laughs> I need clearly this needs work. Some gr- insert take, grunt. Take it, take it back on the road for a little bit. What are you uh, giving this one? I'm going to give this a consume plus. You're giving it only a cons- only the consume plus. <laughs> I'm giving a consume plus. Like it really is a lot better than it has any right to be. Uh, <laughs> you know, like we've had a lot of movies um, like uh, Patriots Day and mm. things like that that have come out that have been um you know it's you know i would i really you know these movies have been pandering uh pandering to you know the culture wars pandering mm-hmm. to a very coded value system and this movie despite the fact that its marketing does that and its title does that the movie itself does not do that mm-hmm. um and uh and i have to salute it for that so it makes me proud to be an american <laughs> um only the brave is rated pg-13 for thematic content some sexual references, language, and drug material. And that brings us to movie number two, um, which is Tom of Finland. Tuko Laksanen, a decorated officer, returns home from a harrowing and heroic experience serving his country in World War II. But life in Finland during peacetime proves equally distressing. He finds post-war Helsinki rampant with homophobic persecution, and gay men around him are being pressured to marry women and have children. Tuko finds refuge in his liberating art, Homoerotic drawings of muscular men, free of inhibitions. These men are moved by you, Tom. Sir, it's an honor. These are your men. You make these different boys feel special, beautiful. You better go to prison for this. Aren't you afraid? We are the children of beautiful Mother Nature. Young men. Old couples, straight and gay, all yearning to love. Well, Jason of Pittsburgh, 
There couldn't be a movie about um, men in war commiserating and not while exchanging pictures of women in lingerie more mm. than Tom of Finland. That's true. That's true. Now, Rebecca, how surprised were you to learn how indirectly Tom of Finland shaped your own personal aesthetic? <laughs> um, you know, I, I, it wasn't intentional. Um, <laughs> you know, it influenced these you, boots aren't going to lick themselves. By, by the way, oh, I'm just going to put that out there. Oh shit. You know, um, it's really just like Meryl Streep's monologue in Devil Wears Prada about how the color of a shirt comes to be. You know, there was mm-hmm. Tom of Finland, which influenced GQ, which influenced your very suave look. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank mm-hmm. you. You're a daddy. Um, It's uh, daddy's home. <laughs> Don't you forget it. Um, What? What? Wow. Uh, this movie. I, so this is not a slice of life. It's n- it not a full a and cradle. Cra- it's almost cradle to grave. I mean, I guess the. Uh, Man is born in war. I don't know. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it starts It starts with war. And the, well, I'm trying to remember if, if there's a part. No, it pretty much starts in war. It starts in war. It starts it, with them. Um, and then it goes all the way to death. Tuco in the Finnish army in World War II, um, which I thought was a really s- small and powerful way to show war. Um, definitely in a way that like American movies don't, right? They mm. sort of always have these like big big displays and this was just there's this incredible moment where he it's it's like you can feel yourself when you're like oh this is that thing i'm supposed to do when you see an enemy you're like i should i should probably kill this person but it Mm. it, then it seems like it was so useless and it clearly haunts him for the rest of his life right um that i thought that scene was was really uh intense and very very powerful and really well done it was it was uh, you know, guys, you may have noticed that so far we're not talking about this like it's a fun, sexy movie, which you might expect from a movie about Tom of Finland. Mm-hmm. And that's because it's not a fun, sexy movie. No. Uh, it no. is a very serious, very well-mannered biopic. That's a little sexy. Uh, it, I mean, it has, it has a few little, yeah, hot bits here and there. But it's really, uh, you know, it's, it's very disconnected from the spirit of the art of the man whose story we learn in the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's really there's 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 some moments for the beginning that are sort of like about, you know, sort of the underground cruising culture of Helsinki, mm-hmm. uh, you know, in the war and post-war and sort of just underground network of gay men and things that gay men had to do um, to find each other in those days and the fears, the very real fears they had of being caught. Mm-hmm. Uh you know, contrary to probably my rosy picture of Scandinavia, uh, we learned that, you know, post-war um, Finland was not tolerant. No. Uh, and that it was very much still a place where gay men were beaten by the police and arrested. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, you know, it is, uh, it's a sobering story of, uh, of the reality for queer people. And, and really, through Tom, who all told doesn't seem, you know, I call him Tom. <laughs> uh, when I watched it with some friends and the whole time I was just like, oh, where's Tom? You know, like... A I, Mr. You know, of Finland. Yeah, Mr. of Finland. It's like Offred in Handmaid's Tale of Finland. <laughs> and, uh, you know, through Tom, it sort of tells the story of uh, of gay liberation because the story... Really does. The story begins in the 40s and it ends in, I believe, uh, and I believe the 90s, the 80s or the 90s, uh, and uh, maybe the 80s, I think. And, uh, you know, and so, so sort of through that, although actually maybe it is the 90s because that would be a really bummer place for it to end as the 80s for, uh, for gay men in America. Because by that point, he was living in California. Uh, you know, it's, it's really, it tells the story of, of, of everything that happened since, you know, of and of the role that 
I think that the, 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 the valuable thing about his story and what he did, even if he himself was just sort of quietly living his like Finnish life uh, with his longtime partner, with his sister, um, and he didn't feel as directly connected to these larger conversations mm-hmm. that his work sparked. But we have a, a sort of a powerful um, segment uh, where it stops being about him and it starts being about mm-hmm. these guys in California and who are using his art as a way of like sort of identifying building a building an aesthetic building an identity yes and also you know like like hanging a picture in their art in their locker mm-hmm. and like letting their locker hang open so someone else can like notice it there mm-hmm. and see if they understand what Flagging. that means to have mm-hmm. a tom of finland um artwork in your locker and you know his his committing his fantasy his sexual fantasy to pen and paper unleashed something uh, in gay men like it was the most uh, even today if you look at the Tom of Finland drawing you your jaw will just like drop like holy shit mm-hmm. uh, you know just his 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 wild over the top muscles and bulges and and you know jaws and, and 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 lips and mustaches and leather like it's it's such this wild fantasy of like hyper masculinity but very much queered mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh that you know like it it was a revolution unto itself right and i think that the movie almost, almost would have been more interesting if it didn't even bother telling his story and just told the story of how his artwork changed uh gay sexuality and how it sort of empowered and emboldened gay sexuality to emerge mm-hmm. in a more concrete way than it had i felt the the back the backstory of him was interesting i think that that it it built that level um of Something that was inspired by oppression, mm. um, not being able to live out his fantasies, but having the, the ability to draw, he was able to put, you know, what he could imagine out in the world. And so um, even though he was he lived in a place where his friends were being committed and arrested and beaten, um, you know, his talent and his vision were were opened a door um, that was in parallel to a, to a more liberating experience. So I think that like I think that's a big part of the story. I think that there's definitely like could be a standalone second part, but mm-hmm. um, I don't know. I found it valuable, especially because he's such a sympathetic character. Um, mm-hmm. And 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 why not tell the story of the life of the man who who changed so much? Yeah. Um, he just it, seems to stand in stark contrast to the work itself. Like he does mm-hmm. not come across like someone no. who like loves sex or. I mean, he definitely you know. he adopted the 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 look um, pretty early on, mm-hmm. um, and but yeah, I mean he 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 wasn't a very in you know for the movie's portrayal of him, and he wasn't a very like um. He wasn't like a freewheeling assertive. Yeah. Um, but you know that's what the fantasy is, right? right? Right, exactly. So this is sort of you know one of those things where you pull back the curtain and like this is the person who unleashed this fantasy that transformed you know thousands and thousands and thousands of, of gay men's uh, fantasy lives. Right, and it's like how what you think of when you think of um, you know like the gay male aesthetic and right exactly uh, the seventies and the eighties um, and even today. Um, yeah, it all came out of this bookish fin. And it's just like I never th- realized. I was like, when did they start making motorcycle hats? Um, and then seeing how they were sort of, he really corralled all of these, these looks into one. Um, when did you first, uh, come across Tom of Finland? Um, you know, it must've just been, you know, like in the nineties as like a gay teen growing up in a, in a small town, not without internet, you know, I really just try to like immerse myself in whatever like gay books I could find, Mm -hmm. um, gay magazines, gay, whatever. And so I must have come across that kind of thing then. And I think it was probably very intimidating to me the first time that I saw a Tom of Finland drawing because it's so confrontational in its sexuality. And uh, and I definitely didn't know they were called Tom of Finland until I was living Mm -hmm. in San Francisco. 
And, uh, you know, and I think probably someone was like, oh, that's so Tom of Finland. And then I eventually put it together. And I definitely probably thought that the character, there was like a person who was being drawn. Yeah. Or, or that the person, you know, was named Tom of Finland or that like he was like, it was, it was like a self-portrait. I was picturing like a Robert Mablethorpe type figure, mm-hmm, um, but, mm-hmm. but for like pen and ink drawing. Yeah. I also wasn't clear if it was like almost like a brand um, yeah, of a way of, of life. Things. <laughs> I mean, all which are true. Mm-hmm. Um, and I definitely associated it with San Francisco, uh, which is a, another reason I think it was really interesting to hear to see the the story of um, of of Tom. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I definitely I thought it was I thought it was a thing. By the time I came across it, I didn't realize. I thought it was like that aesthetic exist that aesthetic existed, and then this was. Almost like a way to commercialize it and sell it to people. Oh, uh huh. After yeah. the fact, it was like, oh, you know, this is what gay is in San Francisco exactly. in 1970. Like, now wear the shirt. Like, you went to the hate and you bought like a hippie shirt. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I, I didn't realize the sort of order of events, which I thought no, was really interesting. I never, never would have thought that mm-hmm. it came out of like a World War II veteran from actually Finland. I don't know what the mm-hmm. last thing I would have thought was that it was somebody from Finland. Uh, <laughs> right. You know, like, could never be. Last thing on my list. Uh, but here we are, and that's who it was. So did you spend the movie comparing it to The Danish Girl? No. Okay. <laughs> well, you just want to bring up that Tracy Jordan thing again, I don't really you? Did. Yeah, I always do. <laughs> um, what are you going to give this one? It's a consume for me. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think it's very handsomely shot, mm-hmm. uh, you know, like gorgeous photography, art direction, uh, beautifully acted. Uh, you know, it just it was just a little too tasteful. Uh, mm, for a movie about Tom of Finland, um, I would say Consume Plus. I thought it, um, I thought it was, you know, um, top of its class. I thought it hit hard. Um, I thought it really, you know, um, spanked you with reality. Um, and uh, I, yeah, I think it's especially if you are queer. I think it's a definitely um, if you're queer, I'd say it's a it's a binge. Um, if you're not queer. <laughs> I don't know. I'm so sorry. And, and I'm a queer person, and I still think it's a consume. Mm. Do you? <laughs> uh, Tom of Finland is unrated, but would be R for nudity, sexuality, violence, and language. And that brings us to our last movie of the week, uh, Dina, which is our pick of the week. Pick of the week. Pick of the week. Pick, pick, pick is the pick, pick of the week. An eccentric suburban woman and a Walmart door greeter navigate the revolving relationship in this unconventional love story. I'm excited to, to have you. I'm excited to be good. here. It's gonna be a new experience for me. I haven't lived on my own since ever. You know, I didn't plan this. I didn't plan me ever getting married again. I accepted and embraced single life. So I'd had some questions about this movie since I watched it yesterday, and um, I described it to a couple of people that I thought would really enjoy it, and uh, I used the phrase, um, it's not a documentary. Um, Here's the thing. It's a documentary. It's a documentary, guys. Uh, That's never happened to me before. Huh. I don't think. Um, Do you feel tricked? I feel... Unsure of the world? Oh, don't even get me started. Um, I feel incredibly impressed and delighted um what an amazing treatment of a film Mm -hmm. um i thought it was a so this is a movie about um a couple that's preparing to get married and they are both sort of on the um spectrum of asperger's and uh in their community of friends and family um 
And I thought it was a movie that was tastefully done. Apparently the term is neurodiverse. Neurodiverse. Um, that's, thank you. Um, I thought it was a tastefully, because it's, uh, it's, it's always tricky to um, depict. This is something we talk about in the show all the time. All the time. Like, yeah. you know, is it is it is it in poor taste to have actors play characters with autism? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, you know, so I could see you were watching it thinking like, okay, cool. Like, so now here's a story where they actually may have cast actors who are neurodiverse mm-hmm. to play neurodiverse people. But no. Sort of. <laughs> uh, that is, and that is not the case. And they did, you know, the whole movie is edited to look like a romantic comedy. It is. Right down it's beautiful. to the fact that she watches, that Dina watches Sex in the City quite a bit. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> in the beginning of the movie. And I, wow, I need to rewatch this movie. <laughs> Like the things Guys, that gonna, they we're say. We're gonna press pause where Rebecca watches wow. the movie again. We'll yes, be right back. We'll be right back. I still can't believe that's not a documentary. It's nuts. It, the lines are so perfect. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, I am re re um, experiencing the trauma of the movie. Yes, knowing that it is not. No, it's that scripted. happened. That was all real. When that when that so this is part uh, where Dina uh, often refers to this uh, uh, sort of. Um, attack that happened to her assault that happened to her and then at one point later on in the movie they play the audio of um her and her assailant um on the phone with 911 after the attack and at when i heard that you know it it's long and it is it leaves you there and uh i was moved and then i thought about when we watched um the movie with robert pattinson um good time good time and one of the the directors had said that they didn't use people who were neurodiverse because they thought it would be too hard and so I said, uh, well, recording this uh, must have been really incredibly hard, mm. um, b- but they've done it. See, it can be done. And I'm like ready to stick it back to those directors, <laughs> the, the Safi brothers. Uh, but and, I guess and, that and, was just and, real. And someday maybe you can, but I'd not with to. this. Not with this. Wow. That was a real thing that happened. The scars on her back are real. If this movie wasn't already going to be our pick of the week, binge it. Yeah. It's, it's, I'm doubling down on it. Well, you know, and I, it, it's, it's really, uh, I mean, for me, it walked a line for a while where I wasn't sure how to feel about it mm. because I felt like it was, I wasn't sure how much it was wanting us to laugh at rather than with Oh, really? the characters. I didn't feel that way. Uh, hmm. and, but it turns out, so these filmmakers, uh, these two gentlemen who directed this, uh, one of them grew up with Dina. Mm-hmm. And his father, uh, I guess, was uh, one of her teachers, and so this is this is not a case of you know, some directors like rolling in and being like, "Oh, I'm going to make a movie. I'm going to find some people who are neurodiverse and make a story about them and follow them around through some very personal situations with cameras in their oh faces." Oh my god, I'm re-seeing this movie right now. Yes, yes, oh, yeah, and uh, and so you know, so he had known Dina his entire life. Mm-hmm. And then when he found out that she was engaged to get married, that's when the thought occurred to him. And he knew all the people in her community. And he was like, I think I want to like follow that. I want, you know, he's like, she loves romantic comedy. She watches them all the time. And I want to like film basically like a real life romantic comedy starring her. Um, Cause she's wow. such, cause she's such a unique woman. And she has such unique, a unique story. Yeah. I mean, she's a heroine we haven't seen before. No, not at all. Um, yeah, well, I, I know, I'm unable to do this review. I'm rethinking all the things I was going she's to say. Processing, um, processing. I thought I thought so. There's this whole part of the movie they're preparing to get married, and uh, they're 
sort of coming to terms with some of the problems in their relationship, mm-hmm. mostly around sex yeah. and um, their different levels of comfort mm-hmm. uh, and experimentation right. um, and interest and confidence. It's fairly frank. It's very frank. It's very relatable to probably most people, right? And Tell very, me, everybody. <laughs> yes, very cringy in the sense of how relatable it is and also how plain spoken mm-hmm. uh, they mm-hmm. are. Uh, as part of one of the dimensions of their, you know, uh, neurodiversity mm-hmm. uh, is, uh, yeah, just being more plain spoken and just saying things. And, uh, you know, so that makes it, that just gives a whole other dimension to it as like a romantic comedy. Right. Because then I was like, oh, this say is... say all the things they're thinking. This is uh, scripted really well um, and really, you know, cuts to a lot of issues in a way that I would never have thought. Mm-hmm. But that's just people talking. I know. I quote a line to you before we started taping this, and you were like, ha, 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 ha. And I was like, and, I, and now I think that was the thing she actually said. Say it again. Uh, so when so after they've been married, they're on the honeymoon, and Dina says to um, to her now husband, I wonder, what, I wonder what it must be like to go on a honeymoon where you have passion. <sighs> yeah. I see how me laughing at that the first time <laughs> made me look cruel. Um, that was not a joke, huh? Okay, I'm definitely gonna rewatch this movie. Um, I'm, I'm re- yeah, again, I'm doubling down on it being a binge it, mm-hmm. uh, a yeah. pick of the week. Yeah, binge it. Um, what? Did, yeah, you you haven't seen anything like it. No, I mean, I can't say that I have. I mean, you know, it made me think back on movies like The Other Sister. Sure, right. Oh, my God. And, uh, you know, and, and, and this is just, you know, yeah, I think that it's done with a lot of care. I think that it it does have some of the most insane cringe comedy you'll ever see, namely a certain bachelorette party that happens. Oh, right. That was the thing that really happened. Oh, right. Uh, yeah. So, you know, it, it is, uh, but I think that it, it presents... You know, we talk a lot about representation, mm-hmm. and uh, this is a, a form of representation of you know of neurodiverse people that has not really happened before, that yeah. we haven't experienced as like you know movie watchers, and uh, and so I think that it's remarkable, and uh, and you know I think that it, it it you know if I were to watch it again, I would probably connect with it a lot more than the first time, since I did feel a little uncertain about um, just like is it in good taste you know is it you know uh is it fair uh to uh to some of these people to like put them on camera uh and to you know and to sort of show these very intimate revealing moments of their lives like are you know is, do they have full i guess it's a question what's of agency like do they have the full agency uh to mm. you know to fully 100 percent grasp and understand what it would mean to have this movie that will exist forever be made about these really super personal moments in their lives that are really painful. Yeah. I mean, I guess you could say that about a lot of people who do documentaries, people who are dealing with different um, addictions or, or struggles. I don't know. Yeah, it's a thorny subject, and I don't have the answer on it. It was just what was yeah. going through my mind when I was watching it. Yeah. I mean, knowing, knowing the story that the intention of the filmmaker yes. was to celebrate their story mm-hmm. is, def- is definitely... Um, uh, puts your mind at ease yeah and, and now i'm rethinking this part where um dina's fiance like gives her this speech about how much uh how much he appreciates her mm, and how she mm-hmm. he's she's like a hero oh my god yeah oh. i'm getting retouched there we go uh, let yes. go movie <laughs> wow yeah and i'm sure part of my reaction is coming from just a place of like 
you know, I am not, you know, I have, uh, it's privilege, you know, it just, mm. I, I, it's not, um, it's not a community that I interact very much with in my day to day life. So like it's bringing out discomfort in me. I think it's sure. just, you know, it is what it is. And so I don't know how to react. I don't know how, why I should think. And so but I think that probably for folks that, that do interact with these communities, you more often, mm. you know, will have not even a flinch, uh, of watching this movie. Yeah. Uh, Dina is unrated, but would probably be PG-13 for thematic content. And that's it. That's it. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode of The Binge. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes if you're an Apple iPhone user. Um, or if you've switched over to Android like me, <laughs> you can use the SoundCloud app. Boo! Or Stitcher. Uh, check us out at thebinge.us. Jason is uh, on Twitter at... Excess Faggage. I'm at Fight Balance. And thank you so much for listening. Bye, guys. Bye-bye. Binging on movies with Rebecca and Jason. You made it to the end. That's amazing. There, there goes, goes the, the binge. binge.